Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Daydreamer Wars podcast. Thank you so much for being here and for giving us a little bit of your time as you're listening. Very excited to share this episode because I spoke to Rebecca Arif, whose work I have been feeling really inspired by for a while. We spoke about making art and ritual more accessible to everyone, about caring for the earth and our ancestors, about the story of Rebecca's oracle deck, and about embodying the role of a Jewish priestess. Really hope you get a lot out of this interview. I really did. It's been wonderful to get to know Rebecca in a deeper way um, by interviewing them. And I think if you like their work, you might be interested in their course called Your Most um, Treasured Commitment, which just came out last weekend. It's a really beautiful deep dive into the way we relate to ourselves and the way that we commit. And if you're interested in self-marriage, which I've talked about on the podcast many times, as you know, I, I was married to myself a few years ago as well, then this might be great for you. And I really encourage you to check it out and we'll link it in the show notes. Just a few notes from me. I am very excited to be running the Tarot as a Light in a Dark class at the moment. We have our last session on Saturday. It's free for Patreons. Um, you can still join us um, for the last class if you like, and you'll get the recordings for the other two classes that have run this year. Um, you'll all get, also get access to all my zines and digital versions and to the Embodied Magic archive, which I'm continuously adding to at the moment. Um, running this live class has been really fun, so I've decided to do more of that this year. And the next one that I will probably run is called Writing Home, which will be a class about journaling and exploring the self in that way. So yeah, I would love to have you for that. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. But now enjoy the interview and let us know what you think. Hey everyone, I am super delighted and excited and just really joyful to speak to Rebecca Arif today. I have worked with her in late spring and early summer. Um, as you might know, I'm training as a celebrant and Rebecca gave me such beautiful mentoring and also really such gentle and thoughtful guidance around making some decisions this year. She is a queer feminist Hebrew priestess and an artist. She does really incredible zines and she's got a deck. So, I mean, I don't even know where to start really listing all the things that excite me about her work, but I'm just really so excited to speak to you today. Rebecca, thank you so much for making time. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. I also really love and uh, am inspired by your work and what you bring to the world. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so I always like to begin by asking where you are in the world right now and what nature is like around you so that we can, as listeners, kind of imagine how this conversation is coming to be. Yeah, well, I am in um, Olympia, Washington, on Stay Class Land. Um, it was a it was the a meeting place of a lot of indigenous tribes of the area. Um, Puyallup, Nisqually, Squaxin people all were um, people who are have lived on this land and visited and met here, um, and it's a it's a rainforest here. Um, so it 
it's a really sunny blue sky day today, but it rains a lot. People think of Seattle being a rainy place in Olympia. I just heard recently it rains 20% more here. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's only an hour away. Um, and it's autumn, so the trees are beginning to change, but the majority of trees here are dug fir and spruce and cedar, and they stay green all year round. Um, and I'm in my home where I also have my office and uh, my studio where I make art. And I love my home so much and feel so grateful to have a home. And out in the yard, the grapes are just finishing up. I just spent a whole day uh, a few days ago making steaming grape juice and Concord grapes. They're the last grapes to come on of the season. Um, and there's an oak and a buckeye chestnut and blueberry and a Korean dogwood. Really blessed to have so many amazing plant friends in my yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, this is just a tiny note and not a big problem, but I'm hearing a small rustling sound as you move. And so when you do move, it might be cool to hold your uh, cable of the microphone up because I love your voice and I don't want it to be rustled <laughs> into, you know? Yeah. You know what that is? That, that cape that I put on. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I I put on a cape in that I got in Ireland that's made in Scotland in honor of this conversation. That is so beautiful and I love that it made itself known. <laughs> yeah. Cool. How is that now? This like is, is it way still better? Oh my god. Okay. Perfect. Really, really good. Thank you. Great. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so I would love to hear how you're describing your work and uh yeah, what are you excited about at the moment? How are you thinking of the work that you're doing in the world? That's a great question. I am thinking about my work in a similar way to how I've thought about it for the last six years. And it is definitely deepening at this point in my life in a new way. So I came to this work, um, because I feel really passionate about making art and ritual more accessible to more people. And that has kind of been my driving overall mission statement. And um, that came about through my Kohenet ordination. I'm an ordained Hebrew priestess and was ordained six or seven years ago. So um yeah, that kind of is something, things I've always cared about since I was a kid and was able to kind of refine and define more succinctly to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I care a lot about the earth and our ancestors and praying, paying reverence to the beauty of creation and of our lives. And um, yeah, I think that we are in 
this life to have a personal an experience of being human. Mm -hmm. Um, We're like not trying to be these like um, divine beings that we actually are in our human bodies Um, that we, you know, we're in human bodies to figure out what it is to be in a body and be divine also. Mm -hmm. Um, But I see art and ritual as being the most direct ways to the most direct ways for me to connect with my divinity in a human body. Um, so, um, yeah, that means that I connect with my own ancestors and listen to them and bring their beauty forward through my life and heal my ancestral line through the work that I do in the world and I make new things um, through making art and ritual too and um, make them anew for what is relevant and meaningful in our current day and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know if that answers the question. Oh, yes, it does. It really does. And I also want to encourage people to go back into your Instagram archive, which sounds like a really, um, how do I say this right? It sounds like a very um, inappropriate way to enjoy your magic because it's just Instagram and just these tiny squares. But you have posted some really beautiful examples of what public rituals and public art making could be and it made it so much more tangible for me so even if it's just the tiny squares of Instagram it might be worth checking out yeah thank you I I decided to use Instagram because I am really visual and that that feels appropriate I also have a blog so I've been sending out these newsletters the last few months and a lot of that work I post part of it on my blog um, that describes some of the my art and ritual practice and how I weave my personal life in with my work as well they feel mm-hmm. very connected intimately yeah that makes sense and that's so beautiful um to come to a place where we can do that I feel where we can be our whole selves in our work and I really feel like this come through in what you're doing like I feel you when I shuffle your deck for example yeah that's really nice to hear (laughs) I my intention with making the deck was to make a piece of art that was accessible and make a ritual object that was usable and accessible in the way that it was usable and um I love tarot and it's also a complicated system Mm -hmm. that um, if you don't know, I mean, I think everyone can get something out of it in ways, but if you don't know the system, it um, for me felt like not 
totally accessible. So I wanted to make something that was really just like symbol based, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because since then tarot has become more and more accessible and more and more in mainstream, but this is like six years ago. And um, it, it's funny because I think my deck ended up feeling inaccessible to some people because there wasn't a context to understanding what it was. So it kind of takes a little bit of a commitment to hang out with it. But mm-hmm. my hope is that the, that people feel impassioned and emboldened to interpret the symbols for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's super worth it. I really, really love working with this deck. I sometimes dream about it. I keep getting the imagination card over and over again. I picked that today. Really? Did you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also get the sex card a lot and I love the picture of it. It's just like really expanded my thoughts about sexuality, I think. So mm. yeah, just it's just a really great deck. <laughs> um, I would love to hear a little bit more about what being a queer Jewish Hebrew priestess means to you and maybe also how that has changed over time. I mean, that must have been such a big, beautiful, magical commitment to make to go into that training. And yeah, I wonder what that's been like for you. It's been a journey. it's funny because over high, I, we just finished our our high holidays, so Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and um, I went to two different synagogues that I don't usually go to in Seattle, and mentioned to a couple people, a few people, that I was a Kohenet, and I didn't have to say what it was. It oh. was like <laughs> it was like a first time experience because when I started it like ten years ago or so, it was like so new in the world, even in the alternative Jewish community, it was still really new. (laughs) And um, now I guess it's enough in the alternative Jewish community, which are the synagogues that I went to that some people know about it. Um, So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, you know, I really, I wanted to be a rabbi and I, for the last, you know, since I was a, a kid, have been on my own Jewish path because my family's pretty assimilated and I was very drawn to Judaism. Um, so I'm the most Jewish person in my family. <laughs> um, and have been trying to find a Judaism for myself, something that's meaningful to me. Um, my entire life and making and creating that. And in the Jewish queer community, I've felt really drawn to be a leader in some way because of my experience and facilitate ritual. And not just facilitate ritual, but be a spiritual advisor to people because that's often how things have kind of just unfolded in my life. And over time I saw this pattern emerging that I was in these positions where people were talking to me about spiritual things or trying to figure out how to make Judaism meaningful to themselves or feeling like they weren't Jewish enough. 
and having a conversation with me about that because my Judaism looked different or unconventional. Or there was some like doorway in for them through me. And so I officiated some of my oldest, dearest friends wedding over a decade ago and just like channeled, you know, it was, it, it was an incredibly hard moment in time for me. I had just, I was in, um, I was in a cult that was abusive at the time. I was going through a breakup and my uncle who I loved had just passed. And so it was like really a moment that was hard to like hold space of this wedding that was a quite involved ceremony. It was like over an hour long ended up being, um, which is really unusual for a wedding ceremony and I don't recommend it. (laughs) Um, But it worked in this moment and afterwards, and I really felt like this is my work while I was doing it. And afterwards, my whole, my friend's family are Sephardic Jews and everybody started calling me Rebbe, which is like the Yiddish word for rabbi. Not that Sephardic Jews usually speak Yiddish, although I'm sure some of them do, but um, speak Ladino. Um, But they, yeah, they, and lots of other languages. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they, everybody started kind of talking to me like, what are you going to do now? Like, (laughs) are you going to become a rabbi? (laughs) And so I seriously considered it and looked into it, not just because they were saying that, but because it felt super aligned for me. And what I figured out about it was that it was going to be extremely difficult for me with my learning disabilities. And, um, there was, and not that I couldn't still do it anyway, um, but that was part of the factors. Um, and it also, there was something about it that didn't quite feel right, even though on my grandfather's side, his father was a rabbi and seven generations back were rabbis. So it was in my line. And, you know, my grandmother was so grateful to me for how I was expressing Judaism and involved in Jewish life because, you know, she had this deep grief about assimilation. And um, so I had met this person, Jill Hammer, years, Rabbi Kohenet Jill Hammer years before. And um, while I was doing this Jewish farming fellowship and her work. So that was, when was that? That was like 14 years ago, 15 years ago, 14, maybe something like that. But she had done these teachings with me and the group of people I was with that were so profound and touched me in a way that I had never been touched around Judaism with someone else. Um, and yeah. And so she had started with, um, Kohenet Teashir recently, uh, the Kohenet Institute and 
I spoke with them and applied to be in the program. And I, I made this decision that it wasn't quite aligned in some ways, but it was enough that I was going to take this path to be a Hebrew priestess instead of a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And it's since become more accepted in renewal Judaism, which is kind of a more alternative um, part of Judaism, but it, it's um, uh, Rabbi Zalman who's since passed, who was one of the people who started renewal, like gave us our, his blessing. And um, so it's accepted in that community, but it's also been really um, people are, you know, don't, it's Jewish feminist earth-based practices, which is like very witchy. And because of patriarchy and assimilation, Judaism has conformed and become very Christian in a lot of ways. And this work is, you know, Christianity is super against the witches. So, um, I mean, in the Torah, there are parts of it, which is the Jewish main text is there, there are parts of it that talk about, um, that witches aren't good, you know? So we know that there were witches because, (laughs) um, there's particularly this one story about the witch of Endor and, um, you know, she has this prophecy and then is punished for it. (laughs) So we know that we existed because we were talked about badly. Mm -hmm. Um, so that still exists in Judaism plus the whole Christian um, influence on Judaism, which is very anti-witch as well. So it's a, you know, it's a lot that's against the grain, but there's such an emergence of a more mainstream reverence to the feminine divine that I think that's why it's starting to become more popular now. Mm -hmm. But at the time when I was involved with it in the, I mean, I'm still very involved, but um, I was feeling like my own resistance to the work because there are some ways that it wasn't quite matched up politically for me. Um, And there's been a lot of, you know, changes in the organization that it's starting to align some more at this point, but also just the world, you know, kind of like not being quite ready for it. So it's been like a really interesting journey. Um, And people are definitely more interested in it the last couple years than when I first began and curious about exploring more of uh, feminine earth-based Judaism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you for sharing that story and the background of it. Um, 
I would also um, love to know what, what you love about bringing this work into other people's lives that maybe cannot be as involved. You, you create really beautiful ceremonies and rituals and it would just be great to hear what you love about that. Yeah, that's, thank you. I love connecting with people and I love connecting with people in a deeply joyous way. And I love intimacy and vulnerability and um, people often think about vulnerability as kind of more sad, but I also think of vulnerability as this really joyful way to be in the world. And that when we're really joyful, authentically, it's quite vulnerable. And I think that ritual and ceremony gives people the opportunity to express those things. So um, one of the things I've done a lot of is officiate weddings and I love love. And so I love getting to know people as a couple and um, I haven't had the opportunity to facilitate polyamorous um, connections, but I would really love to do that as well. Um, and yeah, and I love, I, I love, um, getting to know people's depth and connecting in at this level that um, doesn't always feel day to day. So even though I think we have the opportunity and chance to do it every day, if we would like to, uh, but I, so I um, have facilitated a bunch of weddings and um, people have reached out to me about it a lot. And um, I created this DIY wedding officiant handbook, which I will be making into also a class. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> that <was so> exciting. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, I, I think that was, um, yeah, that, that's something I'm in the process with, but to, to train people and give people instruction on how to officiate weddings, because I think we've all been to a lot of weddings that are like, Oh my God, I went to one wedding once where <laughs> the officiant forgot the person's name. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, even though it was like, they're like, you know, minister that they'd known been in that church for their whole life, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, or just like, you know, the uncle who officiates the wedding, who's never done public speaking before, but they just like, think he's like the funny guy of the family, you know, mm -hmm. and he's just like not good at it and gets like really awkward when he gets up there and you know or just goes on and on and on about something <laughs> so I was like you know this might could be a service to humanity to create, <laughs> train people you know create some more resources for this so the handbook exists 
to kind of walk people through if you want to ask a friend or a family member to officiate your wedding to walk them through the process that I do with people and um, give people ideas for putting together meaningful rituals and like really like, you know, things that I've come to understand through doing it so many times that are just like, these are like good fun facts, (laughs) like how long the ceremony should be like, how to make it so everybody can hear what you're saying. You know, if someone else is coming up to give a speech, like helping them understand the boundary of their time, (laughs) you know, um, kind of stuff. And then also just, um, ways to connect with the couple and get stories from them and, um, ways to like, to to sprinkle into the ceremony and ways to you know have put parts of the ritual together that feel meaningful and more earth-based um so uh yeah that's been that's been fun and um And I'm also creating a course around developing your intuition that I started developing and I've taught as a workshop a bunch of times, but an online class uh, called You Are Intuitive. Mm -hmm. And um, so if people sign up for my newsletter, I'll let you know when they come out. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's great. The handbooks are already on my website and Mm -hmm. available. Um, But yeah, so cuz a lot of people I think glamorize intuition and this is also a a workshop that I've taught as well. Um but everybody's intuitive and so it's I love working with people. I mean, working with people one on one is one of my favorite ways to work with people. Um in doing readings for them or creative coaching sessions, spiritual advisor sessions with people because I work with people collaboratively to, I share my intuition, but also help them understand how they are intuitive themselves and connect more with their intuition. I mean, I think we're all, we've all kind of, as kids, most of us were excited about fantasy, you know, magic things. And, um, and there's this like recent resurgence of the, or there's this, I mean, people have always been doing it, but there's this recent like mainstream connection with magic and, and, um, I'm really interested in helping people connect to the subtlety of it, not some like magic wand part of intuition, but connecting with this energy that's always running through us and that we see in synchronicities and, um, you know, it could be, I often see it in my own life through animals 
or plants that I encounter, you know, when I'm in, in all different times, but, um, in, in moments of grief, in, um, moments of questioning something and it might be something simple like you know my cat coming and sitting with me or something like an eagle flying over me there are a lot of eagles in this area when I'm getting encouraged to become more in my own power and have a bigger oversight in a situation um but yeah I think I guess I started talking about magic (laughs) (laughs) yes you did I mean maybe it's the joke (laughs) who knows (laughs) (laughs) I think it needed to happen it was fantastic (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) it's funny because I was just um talking to a friend I borrowed a friend's car the other day and I like drove I filled it up with gas and then drove all the way from Olympia to Seattle and then drove around Seattle a bunch and um it was still full at the end of like two days (laughs) and I was like talking to her about it later I was like your gas your car gets like incredible gas mileage and she was like I know this car is like amazing I got it for $150 three years ago it's like still running it gets really good (laughs) gas mileage and it's like a Subaru you know like an older Subaru Mm -hmm. Outback or something and I was like, well, that makes sense because you're do all this amazing work in the world. You, you're an herbalist and do all this indigenous solidarity work and you constantly have all these plants in your car and herbs and like this car is super blessed up. It gets great gas mileage and as a result. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much and I'm so excited for your courses. Just want to say that again. That's um really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love your newsletters and I really recommend signing up for them. Um and also I have the DIY wedding handbook. It is really, really great. And I wanna to add to everything that you said that I really felt encouraged to use these tools that you're sharing there for all kinds of commitment ceremonies. So I felt like um you know I also love love and I'm excited about weddings and I think they can be really beautiful and also I loved engaging with your work as a way to think about other commitments that I want to make in my life and how I want to celebrate them be that Mm -hmm. commitments to myself or to my work or to other people and all kinds of different ways and it's just it's just such a guiding light I think in in times of uncertainty and upheaval to create rituals and to get really clear on what we want from our relationships and from our own work and from the spaces that we create and ritual and ceremony is just such a beautiful pause and an invitation to go a little bit slower and to be more intentional and to think about where the magic is so yeah 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 thanks for bringing that up I really um have worked with people to do lots of kinds of commitments to themselves and have also made 
you know, I did a ceremony to get married to myself at a certain point. Um, Me that was too. A- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's they're fun times. Yeah. Um, so good. I'd love <laughs> to have a whole other episode about self-marriage and self-commitments mm-hmm. and that's so cool. And I hope maybe you will do a whole other zine or a workbook around that as well. Um, oh, that's a really wonderful idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I We have already touched on your Moon Angels deck a little bit. And I would love to know what the creative process around that was like, because maybe this is just me, maybe I'm projecting because that's something I feel is missing sometimes in my creative expression. Actually, not so much anymore in the last few weeks since I moved to Scotland. But anyway, I feel this, that there's like a sense of certainty in your work and I can't quite like really put my finger on where I feel that, but I think looking at your deck I'm just like oh man yeah that makes so much sense sure (laughs) and Mm. it's so beautiful and so good to work with and I wonder like how are you fueling your creative processes and how are you showing up for that so creativity and creative process are a huge part of my life and passion and yeah, I I'm just thinking about um Well, I'm curious about your question because you're asking about my process, but you also it sounds like you were also asking a bit about it like for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um and so maybe I'll talk about it in a way about myself but also um, speak to how people might connect more with their own creative expression. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm super passionate about um, helping people fac- facilitate that emergence of creativity in their lives um, as um both in ritual and in physical art making, whatever that might mean. So how does that sound? How's that sound? That's perfect. That's exactly what I was hoping for. Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I think of art making similarly to ritual and that I think they both create this moment in time for ourselves. So I I talk about ritual as creating an archetype in time for ourselves and the art helps us understand our meaning and time in another way. Um, So the deck came about as part of my Kohenet training and I was interested in making art and ritual more accessible. And um, the, the deck came out of 
following the moon cycle for many, many years. Like um, in my early 20s, I took this uh, class that was like about like um, natural birth control, which is funny because I like came out really soon afterwards. I was like, I think I might not be needing it for that reason. Um, (laughs) um, But I will be like uh, using this, these suggestions that she's made about following the moon cycle in my life in other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but they are not going to be to like, not get pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started like watching the moon any night that I could for years and um, noticing her cycles. And also in my early to mid twenties, um, I was taking a Hebrew class cause I never learned Hebrew very well. Like basic, just kind of just reading Hebrew And, um, my teacher, um, taught us this prayer, which you say before you go to bed that invites the angels around you. And so I started and it's kind of like physical, like you move your hands around to invite these angels around you before you go to bed to protect you while you're sleeping. So I said this prayer every night for many years before I went to bed and, so I think of those two things as the foundation for the deck because it's called the moon angels. Malach is the Hebrew um, oracle deck. And when I started my training as a Kohenet, I, I was interested in this, like making something physical to connect with people because I am a, I've, I'm an artist in many different ways, but um I was first an artist of physical things, um, materials. And um, so I I actually like got the idea to do the deck, a a number of cards as the number of the moon cycle. So there are 29 cards because there are, you know, about 29 days in the moon cycle. Um, And I, the angels came in, I think because I've been saying this, prayer every night there's such a part of my life and um so this idea that the moon is our angel in a way and um teaches us so much about being earthly beings and protects us and helps us understand time which helps us connect with each other and um and connect with the earth and the seasons and we are the earth. So I start, I, I originally did, I think 14 paintings for the deck, none of which ended up being used for the final mm-hmm. art. And um, it was my first time making art for the first time in many, many years because I was in this, um, cult for nine years that um, I was starting to come out of when I when I first started the deck, um, and I think that I needed to get out of that situation in order to 
fully bring this gift to the world because I ended up not using any of those and um, starting it over again um, when I was moving out of that situation and um, which could be a whole other podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and isn't a casual isn't a casual thing to talk about at all but I'm I feel committed at this point to being public about it because enough people have given me feedback that it's healing for them to hear that um mm-hmm. so the the these images that are in the deck now um I did all of them intuitively so Sometimes I would sit down and have the intention to make one of the cards for the deck. And sometimes I would just have an an image come to me and then start to express it on the paper. Um, And yeah, so it was a bit of channeling for the images to come. And then the words also came intermittently too. Um, sometimes while I was looking at the images, the words would come. Um, a few of the words came before the images, but most of the images came before the words. And, and it was also the beginning of this, love affair with gouache which is um, a painting material that is a combination it i well i don't know exactly how to what people say to describe it but to me it's a combination of watercolor and acrylic because it has some of the same capabilities of watercolor with more dense colors and um I had used watercolors for many, many years and I don't remember how I got introduced to gouache, but I love it. And that's mostly what I use when I paint now. And that's how, cause people always think the deck's watercolor, but um, it's mostly gouache. And uh, yeah, so it's, it feels like it came together in a really um, intuitive way over the course of three years And, um, you know, I'm working on this new deck that's been a super different process and it's, I'm making a deck that is, um, a card for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet connected with an animal or, or a couple animals and plants. Mm. So, so yeah, so I'm using this, um, Jewish, mystical text which was the pre-kabbalistic text called the sefer yitzira which is the book of creation which is essentially teaches that the hebrew alphabet created all things um and so it's um i'm studying that and lots of other research. I go down wormholes all the time with everything (laughs) and just like listening to what animals come into my life when I'm studying different um, letters and what plants I encounter. And um, so it's it's an intuitive process as well, but it also is cerebral on a different level. Um, And um, 
and I think using Jewish, um, yeah, I've just ha- over the years since I made the Moon Angels been engaged in deeper study around Jewish practice. And at the time that I made the Moon Angels, I was more in a um, needing to connect with what was meaningful to myself about spirit and not and and Judaism but like um this I don't know how to explain it it was just so a kind of like um connecting with it almost like um an innocence around my spiritual practice and um, that I now feel like a different kind of confidence around using literal symbols and imagery that come from uh, the lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, everybody has different ways of coming to creativity and some of us, it is through more um, intuitive based and some of it is more intellectual and um, you know, I used to be a high school and middle school and elementary school art teacher. (laughs) And um, I always, all ages on the first day of school, I would read them this book called the dot. And it's about this kid who doesn't think that she's an artist and she makes a dot on a piece of paper because she's mad at her art teacher. And then her art teacher ends up framing it and putting it in the art school art show. And then she ends up making all this artwork with dots. And, um, you know, I would read that because I would trying to teach people that everybody can be an artist and it's not some like special thing only certain people are imbued or born with. Um, and art isn't just visual, you know, you could be an art, a chef and an artist. You could be, um, you could be a lawyer, you know, you could be a server. You could like, it's kind of, it's more about the intention and joy that you bring to whatever work that you're doing in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's beautiful I really want to look that book up it sounds such like such a beautiful opening to a new creative adventure um yeah it's fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah um Rebecca I'm really sad we're already kind of coming to the end of our time together but I feel like there's been several points in our conversation where I felt like, oh my God, this could be a whole other episode in itself. And I would love it if we could maybe really do um, another session of recording together. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> great. Um, but before we go, I just want to name that you have the Queer Mikri, um project as well that people can check out on your website. Um, and that, you know, it, obviously it's super worth signing up for your newsletter. I'm really excited for every time it comes into my inbox and for the courses that you're about to bring into the world as well. Um, and I would love to just hear what you're currently offering and where people can find you. Yeah, thank you. So I am currently really excited about doing um, creative process um, with people. And um, I like to work with people over a course of six months. So um, helping people connect more with their creative process and expression. Um, I lo always love doing readings for people and um and i just made this fun calendar for the jewish new year that anyone could use to follow the moon whether you're jewish or not um and i'm coming to the end of the moon angels but i do still have them available i'm not sure if i'm going to do a third printing of them or not yet but uh yeah, and the Queer Mikvah project, we we have a, a zine I made with um, one of my collaborators on that project, Olev Cunningham. Um, I also have another zine around creative process that I did um, with Elsa Asher called Moon Tools that uses the moon to guide people through a creative process. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. so... And I'm always excited to work with people around creating personal ritual mm -hmm. for themselves. I love, love doing that mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Thank you so much. I will link to your website and your Instagram account in the show notes as well. So everything is there for people to check out. And... <clears throat> I don't know what's funny with my voice today. Huh. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have gathered it to say thank you so, so much, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your time and for the stories that you've shared and your insights and the beauty of your creativity and intention. I'm really touched by it and really, really excited to share this conversation. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you.